Good afternoon. This is Brian Janikowski, Friday, March 9th. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenverts, and let's get started, Christian. So let's start off with jobs, because we got the job number, the jobs numbers today, and um, they look to be pretty good blowout job numbers. Now, in the past, um, we have had some reservations um, in terms of, of positive job uh, jobs numbers reporting. Uh, because we had been seeing trends along the line of kind of low labor force participation, low wage growth, um, and then mostly seeing that uptick in jobs in kind of low wage and part-time wage or part-time jobs. Um, is that trend continuing with these numbers? <laughs> You're right. They were uh, very good numbers. So let's put those into context. 313,000 third best since I think 2000 for two years and third best since 2000. So really big numbers. And also the January figures revised up. So we got that out of the way. Okay. Um, actually, there were some good job numbers in there. Construction numbers were good. That's always a good indicator. It's about 15,000 of the 313,000. But, you know, construction, as you know, is a good lead uh, indicator activity. So that should be good for you know for 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 activity for a while yet, and also in some specialty services. So the the mix of temporary jobs, service jobs, you know, most is ambulatory care jobs, which you think is a very big employer in the United States, um, was roughly the same. Okay. But it was just the absolute numbers were you know were, were very much bigger. So um, so that was good. And what was interesting to see was that the labor force participation rate ticked up a little bit. And that's a very big deal uh, because one of the big debates in the market right now is that with low, low unemployment numbers, sort of hovering around 4%, is that going to lead to a labor shortage uh, and increase wages? Well, that's the kind of standard thinking. That's most of where the Fed seems to grow. There's another line of thought which we subscribe to is a lot of labor sitting on the sidelines that has been marginalized for a number of years hasn't registered for unemployment because their unemployment benefits expired a very long time ago uh, and they're being tempted back into the market as uh, you know as labor demand goes up and we think that's what's happening so there's more participation going on which is good for general activity it's not really good for wages right. uh, and in fact the other big thing that people were looking for was would there be a continuing of the increase in the average hourly earnings, which really uh, excited and actually concerned the market in January? The answer to that was no. There <laughs> was actually a, uh, a slippage in the growth of average hourly earnings. So, uh, look, I think it's a great number. The markets liked it. Uh, the bond market took it in its stride, didn't freak out <laughs> uh, and, and start uh, increasing rates. So I think we have to take it as a good number. But I would also say, and we've talked about this many, many times, be careful of a single number because if you look at the graph for non-farm payrolls, you'll just see them all over the place. And we're really looking for some average, you know, uh, uh, some some good solid moving averages, but certainly a good number for uh, what was otherwise going to be a, a, a pretty mediocre week. So even at, if we do see this trend continue um, in terms of good uh, jobs, uh, job, good job growth. You don't necessarily see that translating at least for a while into wage growth. It seems not. Um, it, you know, it, it's kind of a mixed all over the place because the beige book came out, and that's the uh, Federal Reserve survey via the 12 Federal Reserve districts. So they go in and do a number of surveys, and that commentary came out on Tuesday, and they did talk some 
compensation increases. But you know, we took a deeper, deeper look into it, and I think a lot of it's distorted by the fact that uh, state minimum wage increases kicked in in January, and there are 29 states that have minimum wage, uh, minimum wages, um, hourly wages greater than the federal one. The federal one's seven and dollars and change, and you know, some of these are nine, ten, eleven. Uh, uh, depending on the state they're in. And a lot of those, uh, 18 of that, 29 increased them in January. So I think some of the wage increases are pegged to that. Mm. So it may be that the person earns more than the hourly wage, but then if you earn 20% more, you expect to stay 20% more. And I think some of that was coming through. So anyway, I don't really think that we're seeing this wage pressure as much uh, as, um, as, as one would hope. And or as much as some of the more you know inflationally concerned investors think. Another takeaway that I'm hearing is is don't put too much credence in just one number monthly. Um, you have to look at kind of a, a pattern of what's happening. You know, we had good wage growth last month, but you're pegging that to you know potentially um, rise in state minimum wages. Um, you know, I know that there was a bit of a kind of inflationary panic when when those those wage numbers came out. Mm. Um, so, you know, kind of what is what is your take on that? I, I think you do have to look at them in context. You have to kind of wait for them to play out a little bit. Remember, there's a lot of high-frequency trading in the market. And so there's a lot of investments queued up at 8.30 and zero, zero seconds when the job numbers come out on the last Friday of the month, mm -hmm. or the first Friday of the month. Uh, and if they get a number which is in excess of the model, the the market starts trading. So, you know, your a, a lot of initial reactions to the market are quantitatively and algorithmically driven. And uh, and so, you know, obviously, we prefer to take a little bit more nuanced approach. And if you miss the first couple of percent, that's fine. Uh, you know, we're looking for kind of long term gains. So I think so. I think the market, um, you know, got this one right. But uh, I I think I think in terms of the job numbers. Uh, we sort of going to see whether we're going to go back to the 200,000 level for, for the next few months, which would be a good number, by the way. Great. Let's turn to uh, another big story of the week, which is the, um, the new tariffs that were signed into um, existence yesterday. Um, you know, and if you were to listen to, to Donald Trump and, uh, and his administration, uh, you would, um, you know, you would believe that the steel industry has been suffering tremendously, um, you know, by foreign competition, um, imports and steel. Um, and uh, you wrote a little bit about the steel industry um, and how um, how its performance has been over the last thirty years or so. Um, could you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, there there are about ten major steel companies left quote on the stock exchange. So that's what we what we kind of looked at. And um, steel production in the United States peaked in the 1970s and it declined for about the next 10 years. And it's been pretty level for almost 30 years. And during that time, steel companies have got more efficient. Uh, you know, they've gone to this electric arc furnace instead of coal-fired and so on. Uh, they've more specialty steels, you know, the, the most Prominent company here is a company called Nucor, which has done a lot of you know high high end uh, steel products. So these these companies have been actually very good investments. 
And uh, we think we show a, a graph where they've outperformed the S&P quite considerably. Now, they're cyclical, so in a year like 2008, 2009, they're going to get hit pretty hard. But they're actually very well-run companies and uh, have pretty good, pretty good earnings. And so the whole thing with the tariffs is that steel capacity is not easy to bring back online. These guys are not, they might have mothballed steel plants, and that's some of what the White House said, and they'll be able to bring them back online. I just simply don't believe it. I mean, it's, it, it takes a lot to take a mothball plant and bring it back online. Uh, uh, you know, you probably have to do a lot of initial investment, of that, and I doubt that they've been spending money just to keep them ready. So the steel industry is going to do quite well out of this, I think. Um, but the good news is, as you mentioned, that the, the, the final version that came out yesterday, Thursday, didn't include the NAFTA partners, which is good because because they're two of the biggest uh, steel importers into the, into the United States. So we've got more to happen on this. The concern about tit for tat retaliation, uh, but I think so far the market is uh, is is viewing it as as not an incipient uh, return to kind of smooth hawley days where there was a huge amount of you know permanent tariffs put on products. So steel companies look to um to potentially make out pretty well from these tariffs, but um, before the tariffs weren't doing all that badly. Yeah, I think actually I would say they, they weren't doing badly and they'll probably continue to do quite well. I don't know if they'll be able to give those price increases. I don't think any of these steel companies can turn around and go, right, we can now increase our prices 25% because it, you know it's just you know, the mix of steels and everything is... Uh, it just just that makes it extraordinarily hard to do. But I, I I think they're they're going to be in slightly better shape. But I think my you know my point is they've actually been in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, certainly from an investor perspective for for a long time now. So do you do you see these trade issues as kind of um, one of the main risks uh, kind of lurking in the market going forward? Absolutely. I mean, you know, so here we are on the Friday, and today's news with the job numbers and the uh, the 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 meeting between North Korea and the United States. So you know that's that turned on its head in 24 hours. Uh, I think I think that for for now trade is sort of off the front page, but it could come back very quickly. And I think if the European Union comes back and targets a few of these districts, which uh, which they mentioned last week, they're going to go after. You know, Harley Davidson sits in Paul Ryan's district. They're going to go Barbara Bourbon that sits in Mitch McConnell's district. You know, and other sort of sensitive uh, Republican areas. Then Trump came back and said, "Okay, we're going to hit European import cars." That's what people are looking to be concerned. But obviously, if it doesn't happen, or it gets delayed, or it's more muted, or it's a more gentler version of it, which is what we saw yesterday, then I think uh, I think the market will kind of you know will broadly take it in its stride. But but my God, the kind of bellicose language isn't helping any. <laughs> and uh, that's really what I think the market is uh, struggling with. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to all of you who sent in your feedback to us for the, um, the questionnaire that we sent out. Um, it's greatly appreciated and it helps us um, put out great content. Yeah, it certainly does help. That's how people find us. Uh, Apple really requires that we have some fun feedback. Anyway, here's the disclosure. Thank you very much. Please note this discussion of our investment investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy, the day this commentary is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure the type of investment discussed in this commentary 
Will I perform any other investment strategy in the future? No, we can guarantee that such investment will present the best or attractive risk adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information purposes only, references to an individual security. Should not be considered as a recommendation to buy or sell security. Securities mentioned in this commentary only several successful and unsuccessful investment buyers. Do not represent all the securities we have purchased or recommended, or they be deemed reliable. Source the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary. We cannot guarantee the accuracy of complete spending statements, numerical data, past performance, no indication of future results.